You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back into another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Rapid Reaction Show. I am Steven Serta. Joined as always by my guy Rocky Magana, Kramer Sansone in the background, making sure we keep this thing afloat. Rocky, the Kansas City Chiefs for the eighth consecutive season are the champions of the AFC West. Uh, they clinch a playoff spot, and now we don't know exactly who they're going to play just yet, but they are locked into the three seed in the AFC postseason race now, and that was. Probably the most impressive half of football that they played in like two or three months. <laughs> like, like we we're, we're gonna get into all of this, obviously, uh, right here on the Arrowhead Pride Rapid Reaction Show. But Rocky, man, the first half had me sweating again, had me frustrated, had me being like, man, I'm gonna it's New Year's Eve, I'm gonna have to get on this post game show and just be upset and be annoyed because of another annoying, frustrating performance from the Kansas City Chiefs. And the second half of that football game was a legitimate playoff atmosphere. Cincinnati is now eliminated from postseason contention. Their season was on the line in this one. And that was just simply the most impressive half of football that the Chiefs have played in months. Like it it was the first time in months. It felt like everything was clicking and their playmakers were making plays and I'm kind of floating right now. Like, this is as good as I felt about this team in a long time, Rocky. You love to see it. You love to see the Chiefs punch their ticket to the playoffs with a Cincinnati Bengals loss. You love to see them come into Arrowhead Stadium, sans Joe Burrow, and then watch the defense step up in the late in the second half and just close the game out and put their foot put their foot right on their throats and just, and just put them to sleep. And just end any hope that the Cincinnati Bengals had of actually making a late season run and, and making the playoffs. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Listen, no, no illusions of grandeur about this Chiefs team. But listen, we're not closing out 2023 on a negative note, Chiefs Kingdom. I'm only talking about the positive today. I'm only talking about the guys who did good. <laughs> I will not talk about the wide receiver whose name shall not be mentioned or uh Anybody else who failed to step up in this game? You know what? The guys who did step up, stepped up in a big way. And this was the best second half of football that we've seen out of the Chiefs in recent memory. And the defense put up a goose egg after giving up 17 points in the first half. Let's be honest. That 17 points isn't a fair 17 points because the Chiefs gave them a short field after Mahomes' fumble. Um, You can't say enough about this pass rush. You can't say enough about Chris Jones being a big a big game guy. And you can't say enough about the development of George Karloftis from a guy who was a bull rush only guy coming in the league to being a multiple pass move guy with, with multiple looks beating, beating 
OBJ Jr. with the sack late in the fourth quarter. You love to see it, Steven Serta. There's nothing that makes me happier than watching George Karloftis beat Orlando Brown Jr. for the sack. I mean, it's it's the best possible way I could I could end 2023. It was man, and that that first half wasn't a lot to feel great about in the first half of this, aside from Isaiah Pacheco, who I, I think tons of credit to Pacheco coming back from uh, concussion last week, clearing the protocol, not really being able to get on the practice field this week, and. Without his performance in the first half, I, I think this is a, a much tougher football game in the second half. Thankfully, the Chiefs go into halftime only trailing 17 to 13 because Isaiah Pacheco just went absolutely insane in the first half and kind of carried the offense. Because Rocky, at halftime, Rasheed Rice had one catch on one target for 18 yards. Travis Kelsey had one target at, at zero receptions. And now Kelsey... It is quiet on the day. Doesn't doesn't wind up with a huge stat line or anything. I, I tend to think a lot of that, and I'd have to go back and watch it, but I tend to think a lot of that has to do with Cincinnati trying to take him away because we know that's what teams are doing. Their their initial read is take Travis Kelsey away and then make the other guys beat you. But Rasheed Rice in the second half just goes absolutely insane, finishes the game with 127 yards, including a 67-yard reception, which was the longest play of the Chiefs season. And also, Rocky... Rasheed Rice running like a real big boy vertical route and Patrick Mahomes just hitting him in stride. Like the only thing that could have made that better is if he would have found the end zone. But like, that's what we've been looking for from Rasheed Rice all season. And that, I think that was my biggest gripe about the first half of this one was like, you know, I understand them trying to take away Kelsey, but Rasheed Rice needs more than one target. Like, what are we doing here? And they finally opened things up and got him super involved in the offense. And it was reported this morning that, you know, they were going to get him more looks, get Richie James and McCole Hardman more involved. And, you know, you you mentioned MBS, who had, a, again, some of his brutal moments. I, I hope we see less and less of, of him uh, in the playoffs. But, man, Rasheed Rice, they really have something in him. And it feels like he is truly ascending late into the season right now where – Teams are going to have to start focusing on him a little bit more as the Chiefs legitimate number one threat, which will hopefully open things up for Travis Kelsey. And we'll see some monster games from Travis Kelsey here in the near future. Now, I would assume that the way these th this has played out, we're going to see a lot of people sit in week 18 against the Chargers because the Chiefs are virtually locked in to where they're at right now. And there's not really much they can do to improve their situation. Um but man, what a way, what a way to win the division against that Cincinnati Bengals team. And we saw how chippy everything was and how, how much these teams legitimately dislike each other. And for the Chiefs to go out and put that together in the second half, like, I don't think this team is going to win a Super Bowl, Rocky, but at least they gave us something to hold on hope for. Like, at least they gave us something to say, like, okay, that team can go win a playoff game. That team can give some, some teams some issues, especially if the defense plays like this, like, Man, that was everything we could have hoped for, and it's something that we've been chasing from this team for two months. Rashi Rice is officially the most successful rookie wide receiver on any Andy Reid team. No wide receiver in any of Andy Reid's teams has ever had as many receiving yards as Rashi Rice has had this year. He passed to Sean Jackson and Jeremy Macklin, two very good wide receivers. Um, it's great seeing him make a big boy play. I love the big boy play down the field. I think the Chiefs came out with a great – with a great um, game plan today. And they came out and they said, you know what? Isaiah Pacheco, like, like, sure, he's coming off injury, clear concussion protocol. If we get him, we're putting it straight down their throats. We're going heavy Isaiah Pacheco. And because we're going right at the Bengals, beat up defense, 
and we're going to make them play big boy football. And I think that Andy Heck, after last week's performance, jumped on the offensive line a little bit and, 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 and literally challenged them to say, go out there and show me, show me that you're one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. You say you are, people say you are, but you weren't last week. Go out there and show me who you are and what you're made of. We're going to run it down their throat, and I want you to plow those dudes over and open up some holes. And they did. And it was a great game plan of, of feeding of feeding Isaiah Pacheco and then looking for Rashi Rice in the short intermediate game and to open up the big play downfield. And you said I mentioned the person who I will not mention. I did not mention him, Stephen Sturt. I refuse to mention any, any negativity this week. I, I'd prefer this to is, never talk about him again. Too. This is all positive Rocky today. I'm ending the year on a, on a, on a bliss on a, on a note of bliss, turning over a new leaf. No more most negative guy in Kansas City sports media, like some people say in the comments. Like I'm focusing on the positive here. The offensive line. They were a bunch of bulldozers today. They opened up holes. Mahomes played a smart, smart game with the exception of holding on to the ball and getting strip-sacked in the first half, that one negative play. I said before the before the game on Twitter, I said, if the Chiefs have more sacks and defensive turnovers than they do offensive, offensive penalties and turnovers, whichever number equals up to the most, that's which way the game's going. And guess what? Late in the game, the defense came in and they went on a they went they just went on like a a sack shopping spree. They just like it was like Oprah was out there just giving away sacks to everybody, you know. And and it, it's exactly what you need to see to see a team do something in the playoffs. Now I don't like the Chiefs are not like 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 the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC are the ones to beat right now. Like let's just be honest. Yeah, hung, but this hung, deep, hung fifty six points. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They are they are the team to beat. The Chiefs don't look to be that team this year, but they are a team where where their defense is good enough to mud the muddy things up for a for a for a decent offense and, and to make the game interesting as long as their offense. Can play smart, which I think they did. They said, "Okay, let's pare it down. Let's play smart football on offense, and let's just not shoot ourselves in the foot and let our defense go out there and win us the game." So let, let's zone in on the defense here because you talk about what they were doing in the second half and all, all of those sacks that they accumulated. It seems like all of them were in the fourth quarter and like crunch time and critical moments of the game, and it was absolutely incredible. And yeah, we were talking about the first half performance because it was not the best performance that we've seen from this Kansas City Chiefs defense by any stretch of the imagination in the first half of this one. Like Jake Browning was really doing a, a really good job and finding a lot of success against them in the first half, just utilizing his legs, creating first downs. Uh, uh, they were running the ball well. They were they were use, using his legs and using the run to open up things down the field like they were creating plays uh, against this defense and having a lot of success. And it's not unlike what we've seen from the chiefs defense recently, where we've talked about it a ton right here, Rocky, where the chiefs defense has been getting off to a lot of these slow starts. And, it, and it's really been over the last like five or six games, uh, going back to that first matchup against the Raiders where we really started to see it happen. And it seems like it's been a common theme every single week. Now I'm kind of hoping that some of that is the chiefs know like, this is how teams are going to attack us now, but we've got six weeks of it on film and then we're going to get into the playoffs and Steve Spagnuolo is going to do what he always does and just throw everything at you like out of the gate and just totally muck everything up and totally 
just throw you for a loop and give you all kinds of issues. And so I, I'm hoping that's the case and that's what's going on because we've seen this defense turn it on when they want to. And, and it didn't seem like they were coming at the Bengals all that hard in the first half of this one. But in the second half when they needed plays, that defense stepped up and it was all kinds of guys making plays. Justin Reed was making plays finally. Willie Gay who has had some really bad moments in recent weeks, comes up with a huge uh, fourth and goal stop to give the Chiefs the ball back, which which led to the Chiefs taking the lead. Like, it, those guys came up with the huge plays. And then you talk about the sacks. Like, I don't even recall if they had a sack in the first half, but they wound, wound up sacking Jake Browning six times in this game. Justin Reed had back-to-back -back sacks in the fourth quarter. George Karloftis had two sacks in the second half to put him over double-digit sacks on the season. And then finally, you're looking for number 95, Critical moment of the game. Uh, at, at the very end, they need a big stop. Chris Jones comes up with a huge sack on Jake Browning. Like, this defense has the horses, and, and they have the playmakers to win you football games in the postseason. It, it's just we need to see them make some adjustments here because it does seem like the book is out on how to give them some problems until they, until they wind up adjusting to that stuff. But I'm hoping that's a little bit of gamesmanship by Spag, saying, like, I know we're going to get into the playoffs. Now they've secured that. So now they can kind of chill for week 18 against the Chargers and get ready for whoever their, whoever their uh, wildcard weekend opponent's going to be. And it's going to come down in all likelihood to um, possibly the Miami Dolphins, possibly the Buffalo Bills, as those teams are going to go head to head in week 18 to decide who wins the AFC East. So like, it's not going to get easy in the wildcard round, but it seems like that's who the Chiefs are likely going to be facing in the first round of the playoffs. And so now it, it gives you an opportunity to to say we've already played both of these teams. Now we've got some time to uh, assess things, try to get healthy, and we can rest some of the key key guys in week 18 and get ready to try to go win a playoff team, uh, playoff game, which you know, a few weeks ago I was not convinced that this team was capable of doing, and I certainly didn't believe they could do it after last week's loss to the Raiders. Oh, man, I'm so happy that I was spending time with my family instead of doing that podcast with you last <laughs> week. I, I, I'm sorry I wasn't here, Cheese Kingdom, but – Hanging out with my son on Christmas Day was much, much better time spent than talking about that garbage game. And I'm, I'm with you. I didn't think the Chiefs had it in them to win a playoff game up until now either. Um, but even in the first half, let's talk about Charles Aminahue pretty much single-handedly on a couple of plays kept kept the Bengals from running away with this in the first half. Like he had that one batted pass on second down and then a couple of pressures and penetrations where – you're starting to really see him come on and say, "Okay, I see, I see what what Veach saw in him when he when he signed him. He's 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 been good since he came back. It may not be showing up in the stab sheet, but a minute is a definite factor on that defense. And one thing that you saw in the first half was you saw that the game got super super chippy, but you also saw that the Chiefs were like like no like like like, like not today like this is not happening in our house. We remember the crap you said about us." earlier this week remember the crap he said about us last year we know who you are you guys talk a lot but we don't think you can back it up and sneed sneed heard what jamar chase said about him and guess what jamar chase you had a player too but on the whole you had a you had a soft day pussycat you didn't do a lot <laughs> and uh that seems to be a little bit of a theme when people try to talk trash on the jerry sneed and the chief secondary um and so maybe you might want to think twice about that before you try to come into Arrowhead and talk some trash for a second straight time before you get packed and sent home to end your season 
Mr. Mr. Jamar Chase, Mr. Superstar, Mr. Guy who didn't show up when his team needed him. Yeah, put that on your put that in your pipe and smoke it, Cincinnati Bengals <laughs> fans. Mr. Mayor of Cincinnati, Mr. Skyline Chili, you bunch of chili eaters. Go home. Go home. We're done with you. We packed your bags. Time to go back to your sad city and watch Reds baseball next year and watch another losing team. Jamar Chase Sorry. finishes this Sorry. contest. Uh, three three receptions, 41 yards, which is uh, pretty typical for a guy who's lining up against LeJarrius Sneed for virtually this entire season. And I, I thought it was a cool moment after the game. You saw Spags kind of go up to Sneed and like go head to head with him and like just be like, hey, man, I love you. Like, thank you for fighting through this injury because I know you're out there hurting trying to cover – these guys who are like one of the best wide receiver tandems in the NFL. And Legereus Need is a first team all pro corner who has gotten the toughest assignments of any cornerback in the NFL and has stepped up and shut down every team's opposing number one wide receiver in every matchup possible this season. He's on an unbelievable run. And today he was fighting through injury and you could tell he was out there hurting, but Legereus Need should be this team's number one priority to lock up in the offseason. Like he has been that tremendous this year and has been that important to the defense. Like all of the all of the movement and, and everything that the Chiefs do in their secondary and everything that Spags asked those guys to operate and and, and like it, it just doesn't function without a player like Legereus Sneed just being on an island all by himself and you being like, oh that guy can go out there and, and hold Jamar Chase to three catches for 41 yards. He can go out there and do that to A.J. Brown and Justin Jefferson and Stefan Diggs, like the best wide receivers in all of the NFL. Legereus Need has been better than all of them every time he has gone up against any of them this season, and it's incredible. He, he's, been, he's been so, so amazing to watch this season. You, you, you can't blitz Justin Reed on back-to-back plays where he gets a sack if you don't have Legereus Sneed out there locking down a number one with, with with faith in him. Like, like you're right. Like he is the number one priority. There's like, like there's not been a more impressive player on this defense this year than LeJarrius Steed. He like, like, like he has an argument that even though he may not have the turnovers, he's been possibly the best coverage cornerback in the NFL this year. Like there's not a, probably another cornerback that has the same coverage resume of shutting guys down. Like Legereus Sneed has had. And you're right. There was that play where he timed it so perfectly coming over the shoulder of Jamar Chase in the second half and, and just then pulling the ball, ball down away. I mean, that that was the most textbook play by a cornerback that you could ask for. And it was beautiful to see because it's something that like that he just does on a regular basis this year. It's something where where you can trust him. Like there's no nervousness going into a game with him in the matchup, right? Like they just basically say, You're our John Wick. Study the other guy. Well, they, well, they called him Liam Neeson, right? They called him their, uh, like their their taking guy. Like, yeah, like yeah. basically, you have a certain set of skills. You you study the guy. You go out there and you just you just you just dismantle him, which is what he's done on a regular basis. Yeah, he he's just been incredible all season long. Trent McDuffie had another nice day today. We we know he's still a playmaker, even though I think he's been getting overshadowed a little bit because Lajarius Need has been so special this season. Like. It's when you talk about the best corners in the NFL, like obviously Jalen Ramsey is still in that discussion. Jalen Johnson for the Chicago Bears is having an incredible year. Um, and Marshawn Lattimore for the Saints, who's on IR right now, was having a tremendous season before he got put on the shelf. Like, but none of them 
has played as well as Legereus Sneed. None of them has been as locked down as Legereus Sneed. I believe he's the only one in uh, of the group of guys that you would consider like truly elite corners who hasn't allowed a touchdown this season. Like he has been that amazing. And we're at the end of the regular season. Like he is a legitimate bona fide first team all pro cornerback. And the Chiefs absolutely have to re-sign him this offseason because he is that important to everything that they do on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but we talked about the pass rush and, and just everything that they put together there. Like just the the atmosphere of this thing. And it wasn't great to start the second half. Like the Chiefs go three and out to begin things on offense, and you're all and you're already kind of feeling like, all right, more of the more of the same, more of this. And then the defense finally gets rolling. And once the defense got rolling. Then the offense started clicking and the protection started working. And I totally agree with you. Like I think the offensive line who has been very up and down, especially the interior, like we know about the struggles of the tackles and Wanya Morris had some bad moments today. Like he, he directly gave up the uh, forced fumble on Trey Hendrickson on, on Patrick Mahomes which trying to being their only turnover of the game. Like that was on Wanya Morris. Like he got absolutely just destroyed by Trey Hendrickson we know the tackles are still an issue, but where the Chiefs have all of their money and, and where their offensive line is strongest is on the interior. And the interior has been struggling lately. And the interior has been letting them down. And I think that was the biggest difference today where the offense wasn't couldn't find a groove in the first half, but the reason they were still in this football game going into halftime is because Isaiah Pacheco was going absolutely nuts, and a lot of it had to do with that offensive line and them opening up holes for him in, in the rushing game, because Isaiah Pacheco was absolutely electric today. Like he, when he gets out into space and I just feel like it doesn't happen enough. Cause he still kind of lacks the vision of like, you know, you're truly, truly elite NFL running backs. But when he gets out there and he gets going, he is so fun to watch. Like he is truly just running angrier than anyone I've ever seen. Like, he is he is just like I am ready to get into a car accident. Like I am ready to go face first into a brick wall right now. And that is so important and you talk about that on offense and how important that is for them like like we saw today and it's something we've been screaming for for weeks like simplify it, simplify it. Run the football, use that to open up things downfield. We even got a 40-yard deep ball to Justin Watson today, Rocky. <laughs> like like it actually worked and Travis Kelsey only has 16 receiving yards and you're like, "Okay, you're going to be able to get Kelsey involved more in the playoffs and you know you're going to have the good stuff for that Hall of Fame player once you get into the postseason." But Rasheed Rice is a legitimate baller. Rasheed Rice is the Chiefs' number one wide receiver right now and we'll see what they do in the offseason if they bring in another veteran because Rasheed Rice, maybe he's not a, a total all-around number one wide receiver, but they don't got anybody who's even close to as talented as he is right now on the roster. And so we're finally seeing him get totally worked into the offense. Like he is a bona fide number one for this group. And we saw it today. Let's expand his route tree into the playoffs because it seems like he's got enough juice to win downfield if you give him a chance. They just haven't used him like that all year. And then lean into the running game and that'll open things up. And that's how they win on offense. And the defense is so damn good, you can win football games that way. I don't know why it took us 17 weeks to get here, but that's the recipe. Just please keep doing that moving forward because you can win football games like that. 100%. And Rasheed Rice is like his his, his superpower. He's not the fastest guy in the world. He's not even the tallest guy in the world. He's not the most agile guy in the world. But he is so strong. He is a strong like, like, like sucker. 
And uh, like, like when he, like, on, you saw him on that release on the big play. He just basically swiped the the cornerback's arm off of him and ran right by him. That's something you see out of Jamar Chase a lot. Is that people underestimate his strength and the and it's and it's hard to jam him because he is so stinking strong. And that's something that that the Chiefs have in Rashid Rice, which is why he has inside outside ability, and and he's so so valuable. And they do need to continue to expand his root tree, which I, I agree with you 100%. And, man, hats off to Pacheco. You're right, 100%. Like, like when you have – like, there are guys on this team right now that seem like they're checked out and they're just – they have no interest in taking accountability for their actions. They have no interest in stepping up when their number's called. But then you have guys like like Isaiah Pacheco who are who are aching to get the ball in their hands, who are just saying, Coach – Put the ball in my hands and I got you. You know, Rashi Rice, he's one of those guys. Isaiah Pacheco, he's one of those guys. There's a lot of guys on defense that say, call my number and I'm going to make it happen, Big Red. You know, dial me up, you know. And I think that that they're going to – that they're that they're sitting on Kelsey a little bit, kind of like letting pe- – like lulling, lulling people to sleep a little bit for the playoffs. You're right. I think they'll probably play him a little bit next week. They'll try to get him that 1,000 yards since he's so close early in the game. And sometime in the first half, if they get him that thousand yards, and they'll bench him for the rest of the game. Um, but I think moving forward, like like you're talking in the playoffs, we're talking Kelsey, Pacheco, Rice. That is your offensive game plan, right? And then you sprinkle in plays to Watson or Gray or whoever else. Richie James, there. A Richie of nice James. Today. Yeah, sure. And like Richie James made a mistake, you know, trying to field that ball on the one yard line on that punt. But guess what? Like. Like that, like they're like it's fine to make mistakes if you make up for those mistakes and you and you make the play the next time your your number is called. That's why the receiver who I won't talk about, I won't talk about him today because guess what? Like like his number was called and he dropped the ball and tried to show up Mahomes and said, Oh, you put it a little bit behind me. You know, um, I'm not gonna talk about that. Um, but uh when his number was called again, he didn't make the play. That's all I'm gonna say. But James, his number was called a second time, and he had a definitive like game ceiling punt return. He set the he set the offense up with the short field in a critical moment in the game. And so, you know, it it doesn't matter. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be able to make more positive plays than you do negative plays and then let the defense carry you. And I think the Chiefs are finally realizing that and that's exactly what they did, you know, and the Chiefs are the are, are the kings of the AFC West. Yet again, they're wearing the crown. It's not quite as shiny as it was in years past, but it's still it's a crown nonetheless. And I, I think today in the second half, too, it was like it was so apparent that it felt like for the first time in probably since week one of of this season, um that it didn't feel like Mahomes was trying to do too much. It didn't feel like Patrick Mahomes was going out there on every offensive snap and saying, I got to carry everybody. And I got, I got to drag you guys to the finish line to get a win. Like for the first time, the offense was exciting and they were making plays and it seemed like it was actually gelling. Like, I don't think we've seen that kind of performance all season, Rocky. Like, I don't think we've seen them like, Oh, explosive downfield to Rasheed Rice. Isaiah Pacheco ripping off chunk gains. Like, Rasheed Rice, over the middle, 25-yard gain. Like, we haven't seen that kind of stuff from them all year, and we just haven't seen it look like it's in sync ever. And it feels like they finally got something there. And 
yeah, you won't mention MVS. I'll, I'll mention him. I'd be totally fine with him cutting <laughs> before the playoffs at, at this point. Um, that's not going to happen, but it, it's pretty safe to say he is not going to be on this team because he has been an absolute liability anytime he is on the field. And the more we can get him off the field uh, moving forward, I, I am absolutely in favor of that because he's got no business getting any snaps on this offense moving forward. But and th- this was the most impressive win of, of the season. And we can't get out of here, Rocky, without mentioning Harrison Bucker, who is annoying as I am sometimes with Andy Reid's conservative nature when it comes to red zone field goals. Like Harrison Bucker is just absolute money. Six for six today. And was the only person that scored in the second half? <laughs> just all field goals. But that's all they needed because the defense was so tremendous. Like, it's it's going to come up huge at some point in the postseason that Harrison Butker is having an absolute career here, and he has been absolutely lights out this season for them. And he's been the most reliable kicker in the NFL this year, and it's really not even close. Like He's just been absolutely tremendous. You still want to see the Chiefs score touchdowns at the end of the day, but it is nice having Butker in your back pocket. I mean, it was beautiful because the Chiefs knew – this game, they didn't have to like try to go for it on fourth and short. They didn't have to score touchdowns. They knew that they walked away with three points on every single drive that the defense was going to hold, and that they could let they could they could ride Harrison Bucker's golden leg to victory. And he is he is having an All Pro season. He may not have as many points as some other kickers, but I mean he's he's, he's missed one field goal all year long, and there is not a single kicker in the NFL with as much postseason ex- experience and success currently as Harrison Butker. Um, I mean, there might be a couple of guys who have some postseason ex- success, but recently, like he has, he has, I don't even think Justin Tucker's played. No, right. Not even just, yeah. <laughs> and who has as many game winning field goals in the, in the postseason, including last year's Super Bowl, Right. I mean, like Harrison Butker is the most, is the most like 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 the most playoff season kicker, the most clutch kicker in the NFL currently. And last year he was injured, so he had a down year for him. But now you see him healthy, and you see you see, this guy. He's he's the best there is. There isn't a better kicker than him in the NFL right now. And he he doesn't have as many opportunities as some other guys because the offense has struggled to move the ball. But if you have a kicker where you get it anywhere within sixty five yards, and you think. We got a shot at that. Like, that's a weapon. That is a weapon on special teams. And the Chiefs are lucky to have him. And he, I mean, he he brought he brought he brought the AFC West title home today. You know, I, I do. Um, and you know, th- thinking about him and thinking about Travis Kelsey before we uh get to comments. Um, and I see some Bengals fans uh kind of in the comments section right now, uh uh just kind of talking trash. So sorry, uh you guys are gonna you guys are headed home. Um, no playoffs for the Cincinnati Bengals, even though Jake Browning went on a nice run. I'm not even trying to talk trash, but you guys are the ones that are in our comments section talking trash after the Chiefs just took down their ace straight division title uh, against your team in very impressive fashion. But just thinking back to Bucker's struggles last season and how he started the year banged up and it seemed like he was never really healthy. Like to come back this season and improve like you know, last season was the anomaly. This is really who I am. I am one of the NFL's premier kickers. It, it was tremendous. And I, I do kind of wonder with Travis Kelsey being so much quieter recently and, and what you were talking about, Rocky, like, you know, with it, it seems like maybe they're just kind of dialing him back, maybe trying to get him ready for the postseason. We're also talking about a player who 
for the first time in his entire Hall of Fame career, has really battled through a lot of injuries this season. And we've seen him multiple times this year come up limping and look like he is just out there really, really struggling. So I do wonder, too, if some of this is just we got to get these other guys reps and see what we got in them. And we got to get Kelsey healthy for the playoffs. And so I, I want, I wonder if some of that is strategic and, you know, come, come wildcard weekend, we'll really see them unwrap Travis Kelsey again and, and see the hall of fame caliber tight end that we all know and love. Um, but I, I just thought that was a good point by you, but let's get to the comments before we get out of here. Kramer. From Peyton, we ain't done yet. We are still the defending champs. These teams don't want to see the chiefs in the playoffs. Well, Prior to today, I don't think any, t I think there's lots of teams that would have been like, we'd be happy to play the Chiefs <laughs> the first round of the playoffs. But, uh, but, but yeah, let, let's go. Let's, let's just ride the wave, Peyton. Yeah. Nobody wants to see the Chiefs, uh, wild card weekend of the playoffs after that performance against the Cincinnati Bengals. How wild is it that the Chiefs are the underdogs heading into the playoffs? We're saying, ah, oh, nobody was going to respect the Chiefs of the playoffs. <laughs> they could actually play that chip on their shoulder with nobody. Nobody hey, believes in us. If it makes thing. a difference, let's go. And listen, I mean, I, I I, don't think we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. I love the Chiefs. But if we do, if we get to the Super Bowl, I'm picking us. Heck, heck yeah, I'm picking us if we get to the Super Bowl. And I'm going to pick us in every single game because, you know what, a game at a time, you always got a chance. And so we're not done yet. We still got a lot to work on. But as fun a win as they've had all season long. So I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Uh, Sneed is a free agent, him or Chris Jones. Well, I mean, I, I, I tend to think that this is Chris Jones last season as a Kansas City Chief. Um, I, I still think he's a tremendous player. Uh, and I think that he is still one of the most important members of their defense. But I just think that they have too many other decisions to make on the defensive side of the ball. And they have too many other decisions to make along the offensive line in the wide receiver room. Like there's just too many things for you to go out there and sign a 30 plus year old defensive lineman to a $34 million a year contract. Like that's what he's going to command on the open market in all likelihood. And Legarius Steed, while he deserves to probably be the highest paid cornerback in the NFL, and that's going to be the kind of money that he's looking for. That's still going to be a lot cheaper than paying Chris Jones uh, top of the market value, which is absolutely what we know he wants. So I will take the the first team all pro corner who is significantly younger and coming off the best season of his career. A hundred percent. And you know, the contract here is undefeated. We all know this. Um, but it's not just Sneed or Jones. Like you said, it's Sneed and $20 million or Chris Jones. Yeah. Right. And you take Sneed and $20 million, you take the age. Um, Chris Jones is a Kansas City legend. He'll always be loved here in Kansas City. He'll always be respected and talked about and reverenced, just like Neil Smith is. And he, Neil Smith moved on later in his career. Jamal Charles moved on later in his career. Like that happens with guys, right? It doesn't mean it doesn't make them any less Chiefs for life. Uh, but in this instance, I think that you got to go with Snead. You got to go with what he brings you in the secondary. And you got to go with the, you, you pay a guy for what he's going to do not for what he has done. And so you go with Snead in that instance. It's yeah. And, and the chiefs are obviously going to be shorthanded at defensive tackle next year. Um, you know, they're shorthanded there now and they still have Chris Jones, but you got to love what you're seeing in George. You got to like what you're seeing in Charles Amena, who, who you signed to a, a reasonably sized contract this off season. Um, you know, the jury's still out on Felix, their first round pick who, 
just hasn't had an opportunity to see the field this, that much this season, but I don't think that really says that much about him. I just think it says how deep they are at the edge position. So, yeah, the real the real issue is because we know Jones is going to be gone. Is can you retain Mike Dana? You know, I mean that's the real question on the defensive line because then you also got to resign or upgrade Derek Naughty as well. So there's actually three defensive tackles that we're losing in the offseason. So the, the interior defensive line is going to be a complete rebuild one way or the other. And Dana, for as well as he's played this season, those second-tier pass rusher contracts, still pretty sizable contracts. Like, that's what the Chiefs got Charles Amenahu on. So, like, Mike Dana's going to be a hard player to retain, too. So the, the Chiefs are going to have a lot of question marks along that defense. Uh, from Josh, the simplified game plan was needed. I believe we will get it right. I think we are trying too much with what we have. I totally agree. Uh, I think we've been talking about it for weeks right here, Rocky. Um, you know, it's all of the things that Andy Reid loves to incorporate into the offense, like the trick plays and the, the like we saw last week, like that, that fumble play where it was like a hand fake handoff to Patrick Mahomes. And like, it was just a total disaster and all the motion that they like to run. Like, yeah, I, I love all of that stuff too. But it just seems way too complicated for the personnel that you have this season. So let's dumb it down. Let's protect the football. Let's score points when we can get points. And let's play defense because that seems like the best way for this team to win this season. Listen, you can have the most beautiful figure skating routine in the world planned out. If you put a hippo on ice skates, it's not going to look good. And that's kind of the way the Chiefs offense has been this year. You just you, you didn't have the horses to do what you wanted to do. And at some point, you got to you got it. You got to play to what you have, which is what they did this game. And what they have is still really good. It's just it's not a traditional Andy Reid offense. It's it's almost like it's almost like a short power game offense, right? You know, like you got with Isaiah Pacheco, Rashi Rice, and then tight ends. Like 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 it's almost like you're throwing like you're playing basketball and just throwing a bunch of power forwards out there and saying, "All right, we're going to the hole every single time, and we're going to play." We're going to play, you know, within the key and see what we get and just try to out-rebound people. Uh, and just what have we seen all year long that this defense can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with any team in the NFL? This defense can put you in position to win football games that the offense can just not turn it over and, and not and not put the defense in unfavorable situations. And it, it's really as simple as that. It, it took 17 weeks to get here. But I, I think we got a, a good glimpse uh, of what it could be in the playoffs if they can just put that up. This, this team can still go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a lot of these top teams in the NFL, and they can still win tough games in the postseason if they can simply not turn the ball over on offense and the defense plays at an elite level, which we have seen them do for uh, a vast majority of the season. But Serta, what if this was Andy's, Andy's plan all along? Uh, it's I I don't believe that, but I it would be great if it was, and they just go on an absolutely insane run in the playoffs. I am here for that. That would be a lot of fun. Um, but I tend to think uh, a lot more of it has to do with now they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. It's week seventeen. They're not figuring it out. We got to do something else. Like I, I think it's a lot more of that than it is. This was the plan. Now we we got into the playoffs. Finally, we clinched our spot. We're good to go. We clinched the division. We're in. Now we can really deploy the, the real game plans. Like I, 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 There's some of that, but not to the extent that we've seen the Chiefs struggle this season. But uh, he's Rocky Magana. Again, the Kansas City Chiefs win 25-17. to 17. They clinched their eighth straight AFC West division title. 
Uh, probably can expect to see some of the starters sit next week against the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chiefs can't really improve their situation as far as postseason seeding goes as the uh, Ravens clinch the number one overall seed in the AFC in week 17. So plenty to keep you caught up on at Arrowhead Pride all throughout this week. So make sure you're locked into arrowheadpride.com. You can follow Rocky on Twitter at Rocky Magania. Kramer, go ahead and come up to the stage because it's New Year's Eve, and so we got we got to celebrate with the whole squad. He's Kramer Sanson. You can follow him on Twitter at Kramer Talks. As always, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we are doing right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. And boys, it's New Year's Eve. Um, I'm looking forward to sitting on my couch and doing absolutely nothing. I'm not I'm not a big New Year's Eve person, but I'm happy that I got to celebrate a Chiefs win with you guys this season and we're going back to the playoffs so we can stop stressing at least for a couple of weeks. Here here baby. Oh happy yeah. Happy New Year's Chiefs Kingdom. Happy New Year's. Glad you guys got a victory. Uh, before we get out of here, I want to remind you guys to stick around after the break, too. We'll have all the post-game press conferences available for you. So uh, stay locked into the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. We will talk to you guys tomorrow on the next edition of the Arrowhead Pride Report. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Rapid Reaction Show. The Kansas City Chiefs take down the Cincinnati Bengals 25-17 to clinch their eighth straight AFC West title. After the game, we heard from head coach Andy Reid, quarterback Patrick Mahomes, defensive lineman Chris Jones, running back Isaiah Pacheco, kicker Harrison Butker, and chairman and CEO Clark Hunt. We'll go in that order, starting with head coach Andy Reid. Team, and um, they were battling through some injuries early, but you, you saw their quarterback um, is good, a good player. And for a young guy to be able to step in for a great player like that and do what he did was impressive. Um, I was uh, very proud of our coaches, the the offense and defensive coach, special teams. Everybody contributed in this thing, which I think was was great. And as you saw, nobody gave up hope. I mean, it didn't wasn't the smoothest early, but the guys battled through, and they supported each other. And so that's a that's a positive. And then there were a bunch of individual things. You got to start with Bucker and six field goals, <coughs> six field excuse me, six field goals. Uh, that was. Incredible, and these just weren't little chip shots. I mean, these were like real field goals. So, and then uh, Willie had a huge play in there, which was great to see. Rice with the big catch. Um, uh, the O line and D line just came with a certain attitude and uh, took charge there. Um, D line had six sacks, I think it was. <coughs> Excuse me, had six sacks, which was, uh, or seven, so whatever it was, it was a lot of sacks. Um, Mixed in there, they did, they did great. Uh, Richie James with the punt return. Um, 
what did a heck of a job with that. So, um, listen, I mean, I can keep going through guys, but all in all, uh, it was a good game to get. Um, it's great to have uh, the guys have a championship, uh, the, um, you know, with the AFC West. So, I mean, that's a that's a positive positive thing. Um, I know how they are. They're not going to rest on that. Um, but it, it is exciting for them uh, to get a taste, especially the new guys that haven't had that experience. So, um, uh, again, proud of the whole situation there. But anyways, time to yeah, yeah, I think that's a positive. I mean, everybody, everybody's been so positive through it and supporting each other. I mean, you've seen it on the sidelines. Guys support each other. The want to by uh, Chris Jones, by uh, Patrick, by uh, Kels. I mean, and then the guys follow them. And when they're, you know, when they bring that energy like they do every week, I mean. Uh, guys believe that it's going to get changed, and so it allows me to stand up here and tell you that we're about that close, and and uh, every week, and and so uh, it's just a matter of figuring, getting some things figured out, and and this is what happens. They just they keep pounding, and uh, it was great. Yeah. What kind of boost did Isaiah Pacheco uh, have? Yeah, I should have mentioned Isaiah. Um, uh, a lot of energy. Uh, I, you know, I look at Pacheco, I look at Sneed. I mean, these guys kind of came off uh, off the bed to play, and uh, they did a heck of a job with it. And, uh, you know, Pacheco brought great energy, uh, ran hard, aggressive, wanted it more, <laughs> and um, we had some young backups behind them uh, that had a chance to get in the game too. So that was that was good. One of the things you talked about last week was the mechanics worked all that great. You had a few little mistakes. You guys came out, the script worked really nicely. You got down the field and scored. How satisfying was that to get going on that right and early? Yeah, it's always good to start, you know, start fast. That's a positive. Um, you want to do that every week. So, uh, but the guys, they, they executed well, and <clears throat> that's the most important thing. Right now, this time of the year, that's the most important thing. We're kind of hiring some things out there and <clears throat> make sure that we – we come out, like I said, our coordinators, Spags and Nags, had uh, great game plans. They tapered it to the guys, and and then that was the, yeah, that was the results there. Coach, how nice was it to be able to make some plays down field and passing game? Yeah, that's positive. You, you want to do that. It cuts down on those long drives, right? So um, you, you get a couple positive shots down the field. Uh, that's big. Rice had one. Watson had one. You know, those are... Pacheco had the run, so those are all, you know, that's all good stuff. Andy, yeah. uh, understand this is just this is all new right now, but um, looks like next week's game is going to be kind of meaningless. I'm just kind of want to get your initial thoughts on how you might handle next week's game in terms of Pat, Kelsey, some of the other guys. I haven't gotten there yet. You were right. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, could you just go through Rashid's big play, your longest play of the year? Yeah, so uh, they press coverage, single safety middle. He um, won that battle. Pat laid it out there beautifully. She went and got it. <clears throat> Don't mean he's a scorer, though, right? <laughs> he did a great job with it, though. That was strong. It was just physically strong move that he made. Impressive. Congratulations on the straight title. Uh, you all. Knowing that the defense has been playing superb, it's been the way the offense has been performing over there. You still have concerns about not being able to punch the ball in uh, 
uh, you know, in the into the end zone to where you're not putting them, putting the defense in a fantastic position. Yeah, but listen, I mean that that happens, and we'll, we'll work through all that. That's not, I'm not worried about that right now. Yeah. And you, you may have already sort of said this in your first answer, but if this is a little later in the season that you might uh, gather momentum in the past. Sure. Wonder if that got into your message to the team a little bit about you know the feeling of a reset from this or anything like that yet. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, the guys were excited. That's, uh, you don't want to, I don't need to say much. Uh, they understand. And like I said, I've got leaders that have been through this before. And uh, they, they enjoyed it. Um, but, you know, at the same time, they, they're going to want more. But they were excited to, to ask your question. I didn't need to say a whole lot. Last one. Coach, uh, having small ears the other day with the, Talking, go back. It got a little salty there in the second quarter, but you guys did a pretty good job of keeping your composure, especially in the second half. How important was that for you guys to do that part of it? Yeah, listen, I think these two teams like to play each other and compete, and that's what I saw. And there's going to be some chippy things that go on. I mean, that's just part of the, it's the nature of uh, the, the game. And um, but it was great for the fans to watch. It was great for coaches stand on the sideline to watch. That's a great competition. And um, you, know, you want to make sure that you don't do anything stupid. So you just want to where you get flagged on it. But, you know, that's a uh, – but at the same time, things are going to happen. The emotion. It's an emotional game. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Coach. All right. Good. Uh, Happy New Year, too. Patrick, is there a different sort of satisfaction in this, winning this division title this year after it sort of grind this last few years? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely um... – Special. I mean, it always is, though. I mean, it it really is always is. It's cool to win the AFC West, but obviously, dealing with some adverse situations over these last few weeks, and for guys to respond uh, against a good football team and and find a way to win, even it, even when the game wasn't going in our way at the beginning of it, um, it was special. Uh, I saw. I mean, I told the guys celebrate it, enjoy it. Um, but uh, I mean, our goal is obviously to continue to win, so we have to continue to build off this momentum and uh, get ready for the playoffs. It doesn't solve everything, I, I assume, but but does it give you a sort of a tangible feeling of like another accomplishment, a reset that helps you gain some momentum? Yeah, I thought we did a lot of great things um, today. Um, offensively, I thought we did a good job of just of just letting the game come to us, not trying to force it, not trying to do too much. Um, obviously, we had the one fumble in the first half, but other than that, I thought guys did a great job and. Yeah, we got to continue to get better in the red zone. But, I mean, Harrison Bucker, he saved us, man. He knocked through, I think, six field goals. And um, when you have a defense like that shutting the door, man, I mean, that's how you got to win football games. Imagine the performances of Rasheed and Isaiah, both over 100 yards, receiving and rushing. Talk to those performances today. Yeah, I mean, that's it's guys stepping up and making plays happen. I mean, I thought the offensive line did a tremendous job in the run game. And then, obviously, Isaiah, when he gets through there, man, he's, he's gone. And so um, he did a great job. Rasheed made a lot of big plays, especially in the second half. Um, they, and that's what we're going to need when they have that much attention on Travis. Um, for guys like that, they step up and make plays happen. Um, and like I said, I thought guys just continued with it. They didn't, whenever stuff wasn't going our way, they didn't get down. They just continued with the process, and uh, we were able to find a way to get a win. Those big plays are a little bit more rare now just because of the coverages you're seeing. Mm-hmm. One to Rice, I guess, how good did that feel? And what you see in that yeah, I think they, I think they busted the, uh, a coverage. I think they were trying to get to two. Um, and they ended up having two guys playing on the same side as far as the safety in the corner. And so um, I was looking that way to think of possible like a hole shot, and then it just opened wide open, and uh, I thought Rasheed did a great job of catching and getting vertical. I told him, I'm going to teach him how to get those knees up, man. He's going to get in the end zone next time. Um, But uh, he did a great job, man, and uh, I thought – 
Um, we had a couple other opportunities, and I, I mean, we, we, we try to take those shots today and back the defense off, and once you do that, it helps out with all the other new stuff. Patrick, you've been in this spot every year since you've been here, and I look forward for a second. Does it feel any different than any other year? I mean, it, it's, I mean, obviously, the season hasn't been, we, we're not winning this in week 12 or week 13 like, like we have before. I mean, we had, to, we had to battle through adversity and find a way to win this game, but it's not over. I mean, we have to continue to get better and better. We understand that. Um, kind of the, the motto of this season at the end of it, it's been a good game and a bad game. So how can we sustain and get stuff going um, and continue to build off this momentum um, and uh, get that momentum going into the playoffs? And now, like I said, now you're in the playoffs. It's one game, single elimination, and uh, I think we can go out there and compete with anybody. Yeah, no, he he definitely did. Um, he did a great job recognizing coverage and, and converting the route and, and getting down the field. Um, he does a great job of that. I mean, um, for the most part, I mean, he's pretty correct on on reading coverages and and not making the same mistake twice and. We ran a play early in the game. The play, the game before, he, he ran in, and I missed him, and I was talking to him about it. And then we ran a, another play where he caught and got vertical and kind of towards the red zone. It was the exact same play. And uh, he did a great job of recognizing the coverage and, and learning from the previous week. And that's just kind of how he's been all year long. And I think that's why you see him continue to get better and better as the season goes. Neil, what's it do for you guys as a team, as an offensive unit, to hit some plays downfield and look like the old Chiefs? Yeah, I think guys just did a great job of – of attacking the defense. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's me trusting those guys to go out there and make plays happen, and I put it out there, and, and guys made a lot of plays happen. So, I mean, that's just going to continue to to build trust um, that I can go and do that, and I think it'll help uh, open Travis up because there's so much attention on him in the middle of the field, and I think if we can show that we can go over the top and hit these deep deep passes, it'll open up him, and then we can kind of battle off that um, throughout the rest of the year. Uh, Patrick, uh there was a report that you guys maybe simplified, kind of went back to basics on offense. Any truth to that? And do you feel like that helped if that's what you did? Yeah, I think we, it wasn't – I mean, we still had a lot of the same similar plays. I think we just we just put guys out there and said, we're going to run the plays that we know. Um, we're going to let y'all go out there and play fast. Um, and then no thinking, let's just, let's just be us. And I think that helped guys play more free today. And then whenever stuff went wrong – it's, we could bounce back quickly. It wasn't like we were like trying to fix it and figure out a different way to do this. It was, hey, we know these plays. We, we run these plays, um, and let's let, let the guys go out there and play fast and use their talent. I thought they did a great job of it. Patrick, uh, nothing against any of your other backs, but is there just a different energy when Pacheco's in the game? Um, I thought, it, I mean, I mean, he, I think he's a different energy than any other player on the entire team, man. I mean, that, the way he runs the football, the energy that he he, he comes with. I don't think I've seen like, – there's, like, a small number of people that have that much intensity and when they're running the football. You got, like, Marshawn Lynch. You got, like, Marion Barber from all my old Cowboys days. I mean, it's, it's – uh, that, that, to be able to run that hard all the time and have that much energy, it's a special type of player. And um, hopefully we'll be able to get Clyde back this next week. And I thought he's playing really good football as well. And so we can let those guys go out there and be them. You're locked into the Um, I didn't know that, but uh, I, I kind of just let Coach Reed make all those decisions, and then I roll. So uh, uh, if he wants us to get out there and kind of build off this momentum that we have, I'll be ready to go. And if he wants to give us some rest, then uh, I'll get that rest, prepare for whoever we're going to play, and I'll uh, be ready to go in the playoffs. Last two. You mentioned uh, teaching Rashid to get his knees up. He has some separation on the DB. Is he faster than uh, No, he's fast. I, I think uh, people don't understand that because we've – have been able to utilize him downfield as much as we wanted to. 
Um, but he definitely is fast. He's explosive. I, I, I'm, I'm, I told him he's in Dallas in the offseason. He's going to work out with me. I'm going I'm to teach him how to get the knees up so he can build as he goes. He's very explosive in those first, like, through a 40. But I got to – if we go get 80-yard touchdowns, man, we got to get those knees up and get down the field. Last one, <clears throat> um, Patrick, much of this season has been about the consistency of the defense. I just wonder from your perspective, how does the defense sort of motivate and inspire you when things aren't necessarily going as smooth on offense as perhaps you would hope? Yeah, I mean, personally for me, I thought I let the defense down last week. I mean, they played their tail off, and I think everybody knows that. But I, I, the two turnovers that were two were fourteen points. I mean, that that changed the entire game, obviously. But I thought it just let the defense down. And so this week, I tried to do a great job. Obviously, we had the fumble. I tried to do a great job of just when it wasn't there, deep, get it to underneath guys. Try to get the first downs. If not, we can punt, man. Like I know it's not how I've always how I've always rolled, but we can punt. The defense get us the ball back, um, and we're gonna find ways to win football games. Um, and so. I think if we uh, execute in the red zone, we can put up more points than we, we did today. Um, but other than that, man, I mean, it, it's it's true. It's a different feel. It's different, man. They have a, this this good of a defense that shuts shuts the door on some great offensive players. Um, and so uh, it's going to keep us in every single game. And it's going to be on the offense to go out there and score enough points to win them. All right, thank you. Chris, you, you've been able to win a division every year you've been in the league. Like, just thinking back to the days even with Alex, what does it mean to have been able to be part of that? I think it's tough. I think um, we make these goals every year, beginning of the year. <clears throat> and I think the most important goal is to win the AFC West. Then you can build off of that into the year. So I think this is a huge milestone for the organization. We're going to continue to build off of this. As Pat said, we're going to try to stay consistent with this. Chris, does it need a little more coming harder as it sort of did this year? I mean, does it feel like more of an accomplishment after some ups and downs you guys had? I think it's any time you're able to win a division. When we got so many good competitive teams in our division, the Raiders, who we lost to last week, the Denver Broncos, who we took an L2 this year. We, we got so many competitive groups in this division to be able to win it eight times consecutive. Uh, it shows you about the, the leadership we have in this building, the coaches, and the individuals that we have on this team. And does that kind of feeling of that achievement, does that, do you think, do something for you guys just mentally going forward? I mean, you feel like, okay, we got a little reset going from this. Yeah, I think you get momentum anytime you get a win and beat a tough team. Um, Cincinnati Bengals, they've been on a roll. I think um, their quarterback, um, he's, uh, he leads the league in the most passing percentage as a player for the first five games. So he's been on the road. That team's been on the road for, to, for us to beat the, a high-quality team, a good-quality team, actually, at that. Um, it's a lot of momentum coming off of that. Chris, no points in the second half. What did, what did you do adjusting from halftime to the second half? I think it was mainly stopping the run. Um, it came out early in the first half. Ran the ball, ran the ball, play action pass. Open it up with the tight end, play action pass. Run the ball, run the ball again. They got the running back wide open in the, in the red zone. I think once we honed in on that, eliminate the big play runs, and um, we got after it. Hey, Chris, can you take us through the sequence of four sacks and five snaps? Oh, I was tired. Um, it was tough, man. I think... Um, Guys seen the opportunity to seize the moment. Um, George Karloftis, um, Charles Aminihu. We got Jay Reed who got two of them. I don't like that. I'm not for a DB getting sacks, but it was all good. I think we just got after it. Um, we knew it was an opportunity to close the game, um, close game at that. And um, I think we, we did what we were supposed to do. On that fourth down on their first drive in the third quarter, it looked like Brown maybe checked to a run play and, and Willie stopped it for a three-yard loss. I mean. How significant was that in terms of kind of turning the momentum, 
I think that was a huge momentum shift. Uh, we, we ran goal line out there. And uh, the play, play earlier, they ran it in with the running back. So we went goal line this drive. And um, they seen how many guys we had in. They checked it to the downhill run. Willie knocked it back. We was able to get out the field. And the offense went and scored. I think that was the shift of the game right there. Hey, Chris, uh, Jamar had the very public comments. How do you think your guys responded? Uh, we don't come in. We just play, man. You know. We don't really talk. We don't engage with the back and forth. They do this every year. And, you know, last year, playoff, this year, regular season. I mean, but kudos to Snead. Every every top receiver that came in this uh, we played against, Snead have held his own. Um, I don't know how many yards Jamar Chase had, but I, I can guarantee you how many? 41. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm just saying. Snead, uh, you know, yeah. Was a, there was a little they caught on the cameras, a little frustration on the sideline. It looked like you had to go talk to Willie. There was a little jawing back and forth. Was it, were you guys a little bit frustrated early? No, man. We're, we're just so competitive. And with the competitiveness going on, a lot of guys, it can look bad, but it's not as bad as it seems, right? Um, I think Willie, he's a fierce competitor, and sometimes his emotions get in the way, and sometimes you just got to bring him back in and let him know, we still got your back. We still got your back. I asked Patrick the same question, but as far as, you know, week 18, it doesn't look like it's going to have a huge impact on their season. Is there a benefit to getting some rest to you, or you just look at nine and a half sacks and say, hey, I want 10? I want to play. Okay. <laughs> I want to play. But I understand the importance. Um, <clears throat> usually, for the last few years, we've had a bye week. And um, with the new CBA, they kind of changed this year. So um, if Coach Reed decides to rest us, uh i more than likely take the rest. I mean, I can use a week off. Um, you know, I feel a few nicks and bruises, and I'm quite sure our team can use it. I, th- I don't think our seating changed whether we win or not, right? So, yeah, um, if Coach Reed let us get this week off, that would be remarkable. <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year's, guys. Hello. Sarah <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rishi just talked about the energy he felt around this offense in that first half. Um, absolutely. Uh, you can just feel the intensity uh, and the look of, in each other's uh, eyes. Uh, just give each other that look, and uh, everybody's on time. And uh, just you can tell uh, we're, we're, we got to go, and we're, we're trying to go get it. Isaiah, take us through the last week. How were you feeling, and when did you know you were going to play? Um, last week was a little bit different. Uh, concussion protocols uh, was, had me five days out. Had step by step, five steps. Uh, Saturday I got cleared. Uh, was the last step, so I had one day of practice, which was Friday. So it's been a tough week for me, uh, just installing, uh, writing, detailing my notes and make sure uh, I'm ready to go on on that, on that game day. So, like I said, taking my time and, and locking in on notes and just leaning on my brothers um, and, and know that we uh, need each other. Hey, can you sometimes feel energy change around you after one of those runs or I'm, I'm not really sure if I feel it. Um, just going out there and leaving it all uh, on the field and uh, bringing one another along is just when I know my teammates there to pick me up, I know we're, we're rolling. Mid-season surgery is, is unique. Just how are you feeling when it comes to your, your shoulder? And your I'm feeling great. Uh, great training staff we have here. I'm uh, thankful to them, Julie and Glove and everybody in there, uh, you know, just taking care of me, uh, just making sure I'm able to, to go full speed, 100%. And uh, two weeks uh surgery, uh, 
it's a little bit difficult. You don't expect to play two weeks out of surgery, but me, uh, my story was a little bit different. Um, nothing was really too much major serious, so I was able to compete. Um, just Coach Reed uh, took care of me on that last week that I missed two games. So now I'm here and just taking it day by day and just believing in. Isaiah, this was your single-game high, 160 yards in your career. What went into that, just how you got the 160 yards and how it was, how it was able to, how you could fill it was carrying the yeah, so uh, throughout the whole week, I uh, just, just felt uh, the details and just understanding the, the scheme, the job, and, and knowing that Coach uh, has a high expectation for us. So uh, going out there, knowing what you're doing at a high uh, tempo, uh, it will show for your, uh, your game. Good. All right, thank you. Thank you. Harrison, which one was the most difficult? Probably the, the last one. It, it's always tough when... You know, you make a field goal, you're excited about it, and then it's a quick turnaround and you're up again. And I do have a routine I like to go through, so sometimes it's shorter than I would like it. And that last kick, you have to get ready uh, really fast. But also going that direction was pretty difficult. The other direction was a lot easier. So those last two were probably the hardest kicks. Have you ever outscored another team just by yourself? I don't know. I've had five field goals before. Six was the first time. Uh, but, yeah, it might be the first time. Not even in college, high school. College, we ran the triple option, so not a lot of field goals. Yeah. <laughs> we saw you, uh, we saw you bang a couple of sixty yarders in warmups. Did it change uh, much when you tried that uh, fifty plus yard? We made a sixty-three in warmup. I hit a fifty-seven, maybe off the crossbar in warmup, and I didn't really swing that hard. So, well, for the fifty-four yarder, I knew I don't have to swing too hard and should be able to make it. Again, the wind was going in that direction, so as long as it was on target, it was going to have the distance. What well, goes into the middle of the physical approach of having to do more field goals than you're used to, normally used to? Going into any game, you know, I say, okay, there's going to be 10 possessions and there's going to be an extra point or field goal every possession, so I get my mind ready for a lot of kicks, whether you, know, you get that many kicks or not. But you just got to stay ready and stay locked in. I know it's easy, or it's been easy for me in the past. You make a couple field goals and you just relax, you know, like, oh, I've had a good game. You know, I probably won't get any more. But I thought I did a good job this game, just staying locked in, focused uh, for any opportunity that came. Harrison, it looks a little bit for 13 weeks. And then this is on Christmas Day. Did your confidence get shaken at all? And, and did you, I mean, how did it feel to get six today and kind of exercise those games? Yeah, it, it felt it felt great. You know, you make 13 in a row and you feel on, on top of the world. You feel it, like you're in a great rhythm and you, then you miss a makeable, easy kick in New England and then another uh, makeable kick. I'm sure you could see with my emotions that kick I missed last week against Vegas. You know, those are just gimme kicks uh, that unfortunately, you know, you missed. But I really pray for God's will to be done on, on every kick. So sometimes when those happen, just, all right, God, you wanted me to miss that for some reason. And then even today, especially those last two, I'm like, I don't know how those went in, but they, but they did. And, uh, you know, I, I work very hard, but when you get to that opportunity, when you're in front of, you know, 80,000 fans, you're playing in front of a, a big national, international audience, you go out there and the kick happens in 1.3 seconds. It just happens so fast. And I'm, I'm grateful for the successes and also grateful for the, for the misses and the, and the losses. But, you know, I'm just... Uh, you know, thankful to be in this position and for the kicks to be going through it. I mean, to make six kicks, you know, it's just uh, amazing. Not me, you know, <laughs> God take care of it. Take us through the experience of, that you had at Arrowhead City because I was watching during pregame up in the press box. It looks like the wind's blowing the other way. Things, and you're telling me you're kicking it better that direction. How much time does it take you to get, like, the stadium and understand how it's going to 
I don't know if every stadium is like this, but normally whatever the direct, whatever direction the wind's blowing, uh, when you're inside the stadium, it's going to be the opposite. So if it's a north wind, then you know in the stadium it's probably going to be a, a south wind. So I, you know, I have a, an app that I can look at the wind just mainly to see how intense the wind is, how big are the gusts. But when you go out there, um, you know, you figure out the direction it's going. I really don't look at those flags that are on the top of the stadium. I just look at the flags that are uh, on the field goal post. But that Vegas game, it's tough because it's, it's wet and the, f- the f- flags on top of the field goal posts are stuck to the uprights. And it was like that for the Eagles game as well. Uh, so, I mean, it's a little difficult to read the win when, when you don't have those flags uh, to look at. But the biggest thing I also look at with that wind app is if the wind's consistent the whole time because if you're going to have a certain wind for warm-up, maybe north wind, and then it switches to an east wind during first half and then a west wind during second half, you definitely need to know that because uh, you know sometimes you're on the sideline for a whole quarter and a half and then you go out there and if the wind's different than what you expected, you don't really want to have those uh, those emotions right before a kick. You want to know what your plan is going into it. Harrison, it's not every, it's, Harrison, it's not every game that uh, the coach and the guys celebrate the kicker in the locker room in the way that they did. Just what does it do for you knowing it is a team sport? It feels great. You know, I don't have – well, as a kicker, you're only given as many opportunities as the, the team provides, and hopefully you're ready for those. Uh, you know, James and Tommy have been doing a great job. We've been grinding in, in practice and throughout the season, and when we do have our numbers called, you know, we need to show up and, and do our job. And when you have six field goals, it's hard not to see, like, that was a important part uh, of the game and put points on the board. But it's a, you know, definitely a, a team effort with the great snaps, great holds, great blocking. And, uh, you know, God helping those footballs go to the uprights. Let's finish out with four more, so go ahead, Harrison, just given the adversity of recent weeks, what, what did it mean to walk in that locker room and be able to exhale a little bit and celebrate the first goal you guys haven't been able to see? Yeah, it felt great. Um, you know, we've faced a lot of adversity, more losses this season than we have in the past. You know, I think this is probably the most losses we've had since maybe 2017 or so. And so in the past, we've been, we've been rolling, winning a lot of games, but... I think adversity is super important. I, I don't know if it was 2020, I felt like we didn't have a lot of you know, adversity, maybe not as much as like that 2019 team. But I just think it, it's very important to know how do we handle losing, how do we respond when we're, when we're down. And obviously as a kicker, I'm kind of just seeing it from the sidelines, seeing how the guys uh, compete in practice and attack the game. For me, I'm trying to be as, as much as a robot as I can because my competition's the wind and you know the surface it's not really my my competition and I try not to have as many of those ups and downs it's really those internal ups and downs you know I can control if I make or miss it based on technique or uh, my plan but it's been it's been really cool to watch the team come together I mean how they approach a week after a loss like last week and um, obviously to to have a whatever song they were playing at the end when all the guys were dancing on the sideline and it was a long third or fourth down, whatever that it was, and all of Arrowhead was uh, screaming and yelling. That's just, that's amazing. Those are memories you're always going to have. Those are the good memories that we are so accustomed to and you can't ever take winning for, for granted and getting a division win eight years in a row, seven years for, for myself is amazing. When you have uh, milestone games like this, is, uh, is there a memory back when you were at Westminster, they pull you off the soccer team and... Was there a sign from God that told you that something like this could be in your future? You know, I, I didn't start kicking, like you said, till the spring of my sophomore year. As a kicker, 
how many other kickers are at a school with you. You know, there might be one other kicker. Uh, so you don't really know like how good you are, and even when you play another team, they might only have one kicker. It's just it's hard to gauge. And um, I went to a kicking camp, and that had hundreds of people, and I got ranked really high. But still, even when you're ranked high, you turn on the television, you see D1 kickers and NFL kickers, and they're hitting the ball super high, and it looks perfect. And you just think, man, I could I could never do that. You know, those guys are just in uh, another realm. And even throughout college, I never thought I'd be an NFL kicker. It wasn't until my senior year. I did decent, and I got an NFL Combine invite, which really surprised me. And uh, I did all right at the Combine. But I, I feel like I've always – I don't know if I sell myself short, but even now being in the NFL, I look at guys like uh, McPherson, I just think, wow, what a beautiful you know ball that he can kick, and he's such a great kicker. And I watch around the league. There's just so many talented people. And like I was talking about God, so many times I go out there, I'm like, I should not be out here. I don't know how this ball is going through. I don't know how I'm making kicks. Um, but it's a blessing, and I normally get emotional. Normally, the national anthem, just to be on that stage, you know, who would have ever thought? I, I never thought I would be um, in that situation, but but God's got me there, and I'm joined it for for however long uh, he's, he's got me here. I know you don't pay a ton of attention to things like this, but you know, you won six for six tonight. Um, Kuhn Atlanta missed a couple of kicks today, so you were back to number two as the second most accurate field goal kicker all time. That's exactly where you were before, before the injury last year. Does it kind of feel like you're, you know, you're full circle past that now and you, you kind of resumed everything that you, you were right before that? Yeah, I, I try not to focus on you know, those stats that much, but it is a big stat, and that's probably how you gauge uh, how good kickers are. What is their career field goal percentage? Um, I didn't know Kuhn missed. I didn't know I'm, I'm second now. But I feel healthy. I feel back to my old self. I mean, last year was tough. You know, you feel like an old man, like, you know, I'm only 27 and I'm out here just not feeling like myself at all. So it's great to kind of have a, have a year that I feel like reflects who I am as a kicker, you know, in my entirety. But when you play, you got to work through injuries and everybody in their career has injuries. And I'm sure the, the greats that are in the Hall of Fame, those are athletes that know how to handle and, and move through injuries. We're all going to have them. So I thought I did a, a decent job last year, but it's nice to, to have a year that feels like, you know, the years I've had in the past. I'm just curious, do you have a wind direction that you prefer and a wind direction that you really don't like in this stadium? It's not necessarily unique to this stadium, but um, I would say I have a, a hook on my ball. So a left to right wind is great. I think that straightens out the ball. And then obviously you want wind at your back and not wind uh, in your face. But as a punter, I think some punters would, would maybe say they like a slight wind in their face because it actually adds a little bit more hang time to their punts. But if I'm not indoors, I prefer a, a wind at the back, and then if there's any directional wind, left to right. But you have some kickers that their miss is a slice, and you know they prefer a, a right-to-left wind and not a left-to-right wind. All right. Thank you. Thank you. For Appreciate it, Harrison. Have a new year. Uh, first of all, I want to congratulate Andy, his staff, and the team on winning the AFC West. Uh, incredible accomplishment uh, to do it eight straight years. Um, it was a great victory today, an all-around great performance by the team, uh, special teams, defense, offense, uh, all phases played, played great. Um, while we're excited about it, uh, it's only the first of our goals, and we've got a lot in front of us from here.
sort of testimony what this team has, or what would it mean to you this way? Well, I think it says a lot about Coach Reed and his staff. Uh, they're definitely with some adversity uh, this year. Uh, every year is different. Um, and we've had adversity um, in some of the other years where, where we've won the West as, as well. I do think that adversity can be beneficial uh, by the time you get to the playoffs because the playoffs are never going to be easy. Uh, so I think it speaks to the character of the team, and that will benefit us going forward. you ever find yourself feeling frustrated along the way? I know it's got to be emotional for you with all the ups and downs. And how, how do you navigate that uh, when you're, you're watching and yeah, well, uh, when you've been uh, cheering the Chiefs on for 50 plus years, there are a lot of roller coasters uh, over the years. Um, uh, it's obviously been very positive for the the last uh, decade or so. Um, certainly, you feel the frustration when things aren't going your way, but uh, um, that that's part of uh, sports. That's part of the National Football League. Uh, there are a lot of, lot of good teams. Uh, credit the the Bengals today for coming out and, and playing a really uh, good game and, and competing against us. And uh, again, I'm just proud of our, our guys for overcoming the adversity and getting the win. What, what does it mean just you know, looking back to hiring Andy? You guys were seven behind the rest of the pack in division titles, and now you stand alone. Just in the prism of that, what does that mean to you? Yeah, well, I think it's a testament to Coach Reed and, and his staff, and he's going to go down uh, as one of the greatest head coaches in the, in the National Football League. Um, I, we now have won the West 16 times, uh, which, which is uh, the tops uh, among the AFC uh, teams. And you know, those are the four teams that go all the way back to, to 1960. And so uh, great that we're number one in that, that category. And again, I'd give Andy all the credit for that. We'll go three more. Matt. You spoke to the adversity. And from the outside, this streak looks like it's been so easy. And so the expectations are so high. Was there a point in the season where you know, maybe the Yeah, I, I think in recent years uh, we've come to expect that the pass can be pretty easy uh, to winning the AFC AFC title, um, and the it, it never is right. Um, and I I find that it, personally I tend to forget uh, how hard uh, certain seasons have been. You, you sort of block out the, the the tough parts of those seasons and only think about. Uh, the victories and, and winning the AFC West and, and then, you know, getting that Lamar Hunt trophy. Um, so there, there'll be a time to reflect on this season and uh, look at the challenges. But uh, I, I would say it's just part, part of the National Football League. We don't get a chance to talk to you all the time, so i got to take a, a time here to ask you about the stadium. Has anything changed on your guys' end? Do you guys feel this is where you want to be? There? Yeah, nothing's changed from our perspective. Uh, we're still focused on uh, Arrowhead. Uh, we believe it's one of the best stadiums in the, in the National Football League, and uh, we hope to make it uh, our home for at least another 25 years. Last one, Mr. Hunt, I was down at the Cotton Bowl, and a contemporary of your dad who served on the Cotton Bowl committee came up. He found us from Kansas City. He said, every time they win something, it makes me think of how much Lamar would have enjoyed it. How much would, what would this run have meant to your dad? Yeah. Well, nobody was a bigger Chiefs fan uh, than my dad. Uh, that included the tough years as well as the good years. Uh, but he would have so enjoyed uh, this past decade uh, of Chiefs football. Um, I wish that he was here to, to enjoy it because he, he would love this. He would love it particularly for our fans. 
Um, he was always about, about the fans, and um, he knows how, how much the organization means to them and vice versa, how much they, they mean to us. All right, thank you.